Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I wanted to make sure that you were aware of how valuable you are to us and me here at Successful Diligence as a listener of the podcast. It means so much that you allow me to provide value through the podcast and that you listen and you show up and you invest your time. It means the world to me and I so appreciate it. One way that you can show your appreciation for the podcast, if you've gotten any value from anything we've ever said um, in Sode, is you can support us financially so that we can continue to provide the value that you've come to know from the Successful Diligence podcast. And it can be literally less than a cup of coffee a day, 99 cents per month. That's less than a dollar per month, all the way up to five, ten dollars, however much you want to give. But as little as a dollar, less than a dollar, 99 cents, that would make such a difference to us. You can go to the show notes and you can click the link where listener support is highlighted. Um, There's different links in the show notes. Or you can go to anchor.fm backslash successful diligence backslash support and you can sign up there and literally it's one time per month 99 cents less than a cup of coffee and yet you would be having an impact on supporting this podcast to bring more value reach more people to have a greater impact in the world and we appreciate in advance any support that you're able to provide again anchor.fm slash successful diligence slash support or you can click the link in the show notes and show your support financially we appreciate it and we thank you in advance Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so excited that you're back because we have an awesome guest today who I am so excited to interview. Her name is Emmy, and she is a chartered psychologist. She's from the UK, (laughs) y'all. And she is also the founder of the PAME Code. And her passion is really to help people embrace their true worth so that they can live happy and fulfilling lives. And you know I'm all about that. Throughout her academic coaching and research career, she has worked very closely with individuals and communities to unlock their full potential using simple and easy to apply methods for limitless success in life. Now, she is also the number one best-selling author of the Psychology in Your Life book series, and that includes titles such as The Imposter Syndrome Remedy, Change Your Life for Good, and Fear is Not My Enemy. I love those titles. She also is now helping aspiring authors, including myself, fulfill their long, lifelong ambition to write and publish their own books with her flagship course, Self-Publishing Made Simple. And all three of her books, and the more to come, I'm assuming, are going to be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. So if you love listening to books, they are available for you, and I'll put all the links in the show notes. But welcome to the podcast, Emmy. I'm so excited to have you here and to talk with you. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited to to be here as well and, you know, just talk about, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, what we can do about it and how we can embrace our true worth. 
I am so excited to talk about that because I know you are an expert in the area and she's got YouTube videos as well, guys, which I'll put the link in the show notes. I've watched a few and they are amazingly awesome. So for my listeners who are not familiar with you though, just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to do the work that you do. Oh, of course. Well, I'm a chartered psychologist, so I've been in academia for over 20 years, studying psychology, teaching psychology, researching psychology, like all about psychology. But for me, being in academia for over 20 years, it feels a little bit restricted that I'm only just talking to students in the classroom, talking to fellow academics, writing papers and articles and books for other academics. So I feel as if there's so much potential in psychology. There's so much use um, for psychology to improve people's lives. And I thought, okay, I am already writing textbooks. Maybe I could actually expand my reach. And that's when I discovered self-publishing. I explored self-publishing. I wrote my own books, self-published my own books. That even if I was working with the traditional uh, publisher, I actually felt more empowered writing and self-publishing my own work. And to be honest, I actually make more money (laughs) self-publishing and reaching more people um, through my self-publishing work. I engage with my readers more and I get to know my readers more. So I absolutely love it. I took psychology from the academic perspective and and bringing it to the masses. So that's where I am now. Uh, I left academia because I felt that I had to. I felt that I could reach more people, impact the world better. And yeah, I'm not actually looking back and just keep moving forward from there. I think that is wonderful. Sometimes when we are walking, listeners, I always use the term keep walking because you will reach your destination and your destiny if you keep walking. And as we walk our journey of life, it's so funny how purpose sort of unravels and reveals herself to us. And we just have to pay attention to those clues and listen and watch where our life is taking us and then just sort of have the courage to walk into it. How did you get into the work of imposter syndrome? Like, where did that come from? To be perfectly honest, again, you know, as a psychologist, there's so many things that I can talk about. And especially with my background, it's health psychology. We help people to change unwanted habits. We help people to overcome limiting beliefs and so on and so forth. So there's so many things that I can talk about given my expertise in psychology. But as you know, in the self-publishing made simple community, one of the things that I teach my students is to do their market research to do their keyword research. And for me, coming from someone who also experiences self-doubt, and I don't know if that comes across, but you know, I'm a very, um, I I doubt myself a lot. I'm I'm a maladaptive perfectionist and uh, my self-confidence is, you know, has been knocked down several times. And I did learn some strategies to overcome that. And as I was doing my, my market research, I typed in those keywords self-doubt and you know lack of self-confidence and not being able to embrace your true worth. The search volume that I get is like, okay, there are a lot of people looking for those um, keywords, but the competition is also quite high. And when I typed in imposter syndrome, which is actually the, you know, it's, it's the term that... Uh, it's defined as this um, overwhelming sense of self-doubt, incompetence, and inadequacy, despite evidence that shows otherwise. When I typed in those that, that keyword, it showed that people are looking for it, and there's not a lot of books 
offering support and guidance from, from a psychologist's perspective. So that's how I, I got into that. I, I know about self-doubt and I know about what it's like to, to lose your uh, self-identity and self-worth. But the term imposter syndrome, that actually came from my market research, understanding that there are people looking for help in that uh, in that particular topic and and I went with that and and that's how I got into that um into that particular area it's so interesting to me cuz i know i mean i've when you think about self doubt and imposter syndrome i never actually connected the two cuz for me imposter syndrome in and without having researched it or knowing um really was more about like sort of feeling like a fraud and showing yeah. up in your life where and I used to feel this way. So I graduated from an Ivy League Columbia University, but I thought I was stupid until about three years after I graduated with my master's until someone was like, Michelle, you have a, an Ivy League degree. You are not stupid. And, mm. but that feeling inside, you have to sort of come to terms with that yourself. Cause I would never have thought you would have had any self-doubt. You come across very confident and your, I mean, your accolades and on all of your degrees and then your, your career work and all of that speaks volumes. So it's interesting that it doesn't matter who you are, anyone can suffer from self-doubt and self-imposter syndrome. Absolutely. And I have to say 70% of us will experience imposter syndrome at some point in our lives. And I think for, as you've said, you know, high achievers and those who are actually excelling in the eyes of other people, they, it seems like they're doing really well. But for, for those who are achieving, um, big achievements in their careers or in their lives and they are experiencing imposter syndrome it's actually harder because it feels as if they don't deserve their um their accomplishments because of the self-doubt um for from my um, personal perspective because i was doubting my ability so much i couldn't believe that people are making a fuss or that people actually consider that as a big achievement so in terms of job satisfaction in terms of embracing my worth and embracing my accomplishments i just cannot believe it i'm brushing it uh, away when people give me compliments i i just don't understand why they would say that so you're not actually able to you're not able to celebrate what you are accomplishing. It's taking away the satisfaction of the things that, that you are gaining. And that's one of the common characteristics of imposter syndrome. It's this denial of competence. That even if you are good at what you do, even if you are an expert in your field, I mean, for me, I, I studied psychology. I started when I was 15 years old. Um, I, I got into uh, my psychology uh, undergrad, did my master's, did my PhD, have been uh, you know, leading projects in psychology, community-based work and all that, have publications, textbooks, and so on. But I still, because of the self-doubt, I couldn't embrace it. I am denying that I've achieved this and when people say, you've done so much great things, and I would say, you know, it was nothing. I just got lucky that I was at the right place at the right time. I met the right people, and it just happened like that. And for me, I've had mentors who would say, yes, you met the right people. You had the opportunities, but you made the most of it. So the second thing, you know, the second characteristic that um, people with imposter syndrome experience is that they cannot internalize the success. That the success that they get, it's not that they are good 
it's that they got lucky or is that people are being nice to them or you know it's nothing to do with them it's uh, the other people that made it happen but they neglect the fact that they contributed something and that they've given value if it is a team project, that's fine. You know, celebrate the success as a team, but also recognize that you play the role, that, that you play the part in that project. But for those who experience imposter syndrome, they have that inability to internalize success that when people give them compliments, they feel so uncomfortable. And I do remember my supervisor when I was doing my PhD, um, he, he, he really admired my work. Like he would say, he, I... I he would say that I was one of his best students and I would say, oh my goodness, I cannot, you know, he's close to retirement as well, like 40 years experience and you're saying, you're telling me these things. I just cannot, you know, I, I would have to stop him. Just stop. Don't, don't say these things. And he would be so annoyed with me. He's like, why are you so rude? You know, I'm trying to give you a compliment here. I'm trying to tell you uh, all these things. I'm giving you feedback. Why are you so stubborn? You know, this is how right. we talk. You know, yeah. we, we actually have a banter sometimes. So that's when I r realized that that's almost like a habit for me that mm -hmm. I feel so uncomfortable when people give me compliments that I, had, I have to stop them from saying all these nice things all i yeah. have to say is say thank you it's like oh, that's that's very kind of you to say thank you but for me i just say oh you know i just i just can't you know i just don't get it why they're making a fuss or and i just feel uncomfortable but now that he pointed that out now that i'm aware of it i can you know just like in any other habit the first thing that you need is to become aware of it when you want to change something the first thing is awareness and make a conscious decision be mindful of how you respond and and that's actually how you change old habits and turn them into something that's more constructive exactly. so that's a second characteristic it's that uh, first of all, you have this denial of competence. And second is this inability to internalize success. Another characteristic is this um, maladaptive perfectionist tendencies. I, I've mentioned to you earlier that that's one of my, um, you know, I identify myself as a maladaptive perfectionist. And the difference between adaptive perfectionism and maladaptive perfectionism is that if you are um, an adaptive perfectionist, that's actually fine. You know, you're just someone who who tries to achieve perfection, you refine your craft, you review your performance, you see where you can improve and you get better as you get more practice, as you get more experience. That's absolutely fine. Maladaptive perfectionism, on the other hand, is the type of perfectionism where you just focus on the flaws. That even if you're actually doing well, you don't recognize the things that have gone well. And you focus on the trivial things that people don't even notice. And that you lose sleep over it. And you lose the satisfaction that you've actually accomplished something. And so for me, um, we're having this interview with my maladaptive perfectionist tendencies. I will review this performance and I will focus on the times where I stuttered, when I said, um, or when I repeated myself, neglecting that I'm actually providing value and I'm, you know, giving my, my expert, um, my yeah. expertise. And yeah, so that's maladaptive perfectionism. And it can be quite destructive because yeah, it's taking the joy away. Mm. It's taking the satisfaction that you are doing something that's of value, that you're downgrading um, what you're doing well. And when you don't 
when you don't recognize the things that are going well, how can you celebrate it? How can you magnify that and 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 um keep doing what's going well if, if that makes sense? So it's actually not doing you any favors and it's not actually helping um in in the advancement of your career. Yeah, you know, and it makes me think about that. Um, and you mentioned a couple things that I want to unpack a little bit. Um, because I don't believe in perfection at all, even though I I, I think if, if I unpacked what I used to frame it as, it would be perfectionism. But I, I sort of, when I was intentional about changing my focus to celebrating the little wins and to focusing on what's going well and to intentionally not look at my flaws as flaws, but learning opportunities, I sort of gave up the idea of perfection because mm. I really think it's an illusion because we're, ne we're never going to reach perfection on this side of heaven. I think we reach for excellence, but perfection is really an illusion because nothing is perfect. I mean, except for God <laughs> and what mm. he created. But I mean, as humans, we're, we always have another level in our journey to go to. And so now I reach for excellence versus perfection. So I'm able to celebrate and recognize, even if I have to force myself, okay, Michelle, but you did this well, even if I'm ruminating on all of the things, well, you could have did this better. And what about this? And, oh, and then I, I stop myself. But it's okay. Yeah. If you yeah. can do it better then yeah, sure. You know, next time. <laughs> but it's intentional. Like you have to, you have to like be consciously choosing what to focus on. So I love that you brought that up. Absolutely. And, and in my book, Imposter Syndrome Remedy, we talk about mindset and we talk about the difference between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And certainly for people with imposter syndrome, they lean towards the fixed mindset that everything is fixed. There's no room for growth and improvement. And that's actually what makes it so much worse because if you're feeling like a failure, if you're feeling um, as if you're not good enough, you feel as if you're stuck there. Whereas when you have a growth mindset, when you're leaning towards that, that side of the spectrum that, okay, you are doing something, some things are going well, some things are not, you know, some things can still be improved. It's okay. You know, it's a work in progress. You can learn next time and you can, you can improve in, in that way. So yeah, mindset is really important. Learning to recognize um, the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset and, and embracing the opportunities to learn and grow. For yeah. people who experience imposter syndrome, especially if they have a, a fixed mindset, they have this tendency to be um, averse to risk that because they are afraid to expose themselves as frauds because that's how they are feeling, when they are given new tasks and new responsibilities and when they are, um, uh, for example, uh, asked to take on more leadership roles, they shy away from, from those opportunities because they are afraid to be um, to be on the spotlight, you know, to take to take on that role because they are afraid that they might fail. They are afraid that they might um, uh, make mistakes, and people are going to find out that they are just they're they're a fraud that they're just fooling everyone into believing that they know what they are doing. But when you have a growth mindset. You will, you will be taking on those risks because you are, you are more open to learning. You, you, you see it more as an opportunity to learn and grow. And if it is your first time to do it, I mean, no one is expecting you to be the best the first time around. It's, it's a learning process. So yeah, certainly for, for those who experience imposter syndrome, one of the um, negative consequences of not managing or not even being aware that you experience imposter syndrome is that 
you might be restricting the opportunities that you are taking on because you are afraid that people will find out or that you might fail or this is too risky or that's, that it's out of your comfort zone. When you realize that these are all opportunities to learn and grow, then you have that, you know, that better chance of, of improving your career, progressing in your career and really tapping into your fullest potential. And I think you know, that's certainly something that we could um, look into. And you know, if you are someone who's experiencing imposter syndrome, identify if you are experiencing this and see what you can do about it. Yeah. And you brought up, I love that you brought up the fixed and the growth mindset. If someone wanted to, if they recognize and they were aware that, wow, I could use some improvement with my mindset, <laughs> what are some strategies that they could implement to sort of start to shift their mindset into more of a growth mindset? Sure. Um, in my book, Imposter Syndrome Remedy, there are strategies that I teach in there. But one of the things that, that I teach, and um, I hope that this is something that your audience could, you know, if there's something that they could learn from this conversation of ours, it's the TLC questioning um, sequence. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that you need to do is, first of all, identify your inner critic, you know, all these thoughts that you have inside your head, you know, sometimes you call them limiting beliefs, sometimes you call them inner critic, whatever you want to call it. But these are the thoughts and messages that you have inside your head that, that tell you that you're not good enough, that you're going to fail, that um, you're, you're not worthy or whatever it is. So the first thing that you need to do is to identify your inner critic and identify those thoughts that are fueling your, your, um, your, impost, your experience of imposter syndrome. Now, there are some self-help gurus who might say, oh, you have to crush it. You have to banish all these inner critic messages. You, have, you need to have a battle and you need to fight with it. What I would say is you don't actually need to fight with your inner critic. You don't need to have a battle with it because whether you like it or not, your inner critic is still part of who you are. It is your inner critic. It's in your head. And if you try to have a fight with it, what you're doing is you're actually just having a fight with yourself. So what I would say is instead of having a fight with your inner critic, you need to give it a bit of TLC. You know, that's why it's the TLC questioning sequence. But yeah. TLC is not tender loving care. It's, it, you know, it's, <laughs> you might, yeah, tender loving. It, it could be because th this is still, um, it's still a, a self-compassion exercise that you're still being kind and compassionate to yourself. But the TLC questioning sequence is a, is a sequence that I would encourage you to use to explore where your inner critic messages are coming from because they are coming from somewhere. Whether these are insecurities that are real or not real, you still need to explore where these are coming from. So the three questions that you need to ask in this sequence are, you need to ask, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? Because most of the time, the, the inner critic messages that you have are untrue, illogical, or destructive. In my book, Fear is Not My Enemy, one of the things that I, I talk about there is that, you know, fear, self-doubt, you know, all these feelings that we experience, there is a reason why you are experiencing these emotions. And it's because your body is trying to... Um, uh, is trying to protect you from risk. It's trying to protect you from potential harm or potential ridicule. There is something there. That's why you are having these thoughts. But whether they are real or not real, you still need to understand. You still need to know where it's coming from. So if you are telling yourself, 
you know, you've been given a task, you've been given a project, and you're telling yourself, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified to do this. <laughs> I, I can't do this. Ask the first question, is it true? Because more likely than not, it's untrue. Because if someone is giving you that responsibility, surely they are trusting you because they you are qualified. Yeah. yeah. They believe you can do it, so... Yeah, yeah, it's it's just you being afraid of yeah of, of potential risk or 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 the risk of um of of failure. So the first question is: Is it true? If you're telling yourself, "I'm not qualified to do this," is it true? And when you answer that question, because most of the time I, I do this with my one-to-one clients, I would say, "Is it true?" And they would say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Is it? It is true. Well, and I said, "Can I have a look at your CV or do you call it resume <laughs> there in the states?" Like, yeah. Have a look at your resume, and then you can, you'll see all these qualifications. You can see all these experiences, all, and even if it's just a life experience, you know they've been through that process before. Even if it is not exactly the same task, they have um, experience in their life that makes their skills transferable right. to this new there. task. There's evidence. So the first question is asked: Is it true? And when you answer that question, please, please base it on on, on evidence, <laughs> because some. Sometimes, you know, people just say, of course it is true. And then when you look at the evidence, it, it reflects otherwise. Right. It has so, to be factual. There's got to be some evidence. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's the first question. Ask, is it true? The second question is ask, is it logical? So mm. if someone has given you that task and you're telling yourself, I'm not qualified to do this, it's completely illogical because <laughs> why would someone give you that? Yeah, you know, we, we were talking about it earlier. You know, why would someone give you that, that task if they know that you're going to fail or if, you're, if they think that you're not qualified to do that? So ask the second question, is it logical? Why would someone trust you to do something if they think that you're just going to fail? And in relation to that, if you're feeling as if, you know, I've never done this before. I shouldn't do it. The second question is, yeah, maybe it is true. The first question, maybe it is true that you've never done it before. But the second question is, is it logical? Just because you haven't done it before, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it at all. It just means that you're trying something new. You know, you have to start somewhere. And when, when you're trying something out, it, it's not going to be perfect. You know, no one's expecting it to be perfect but it's a learning process. So exactly. ask the second question, is it logical? If you're telling yourself, I've never done this before, um, you know, I shouldn't do it at all. The first question might say, yes, it might be true that you haven't done it before. You know, maybe you're trying something out. You haven't tried it before. That's fine. It happens. That's, you know, when we move out of our comfort zone and when we try something new, that's actually how we grow. But the second question is, just because you haven't done it before, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it at all. And just because you haven't done it before, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a fraud. It just means that you're starting. <laughs> you know, everybody started from somewhere. They, they didn't become an expert just like that you know they started you know somewhere and then they they built up experience and they build up credibility and and that's actually it's like a baby walking they don't you you start crawling and well first you start pulling up and rolling over and then you start crawling and then even when you start walking you're gonna fall down so I think it speaks to expectations that we have of ourselves as well how do you handle like changing your expectations because I know I had to do that where I used to have super high expectations. And then it was like, that's unreasonable, Michelle. <laughs> you know, you're not superwoman. And so I had to work on changing my expectations. Mm. Certainly, I, 
it it probably does help to to talk to a mentor or someone who is more experienced because yeah if it is something new to you you don't really know what to expect you know you you might be quite ambitious and it's good to dream it's good to aim for you know for your goals and aspirations but when you talk to someone who is more experienced it makes it more real it makes it actually even more exciting because you can see what is possible that if they've done it and if they succeeded or actually even if they failed several times and they, that they had several attempts it gives you an insight into what is possible what you need to watch out for and and what you can do about it so that's that's the thing with you know getting yourself out of your head as well you don't you, you yes you can explore you can explore all of these things and yeah ask the tlc questioning sequence you know the c part is is later you know is it constructive but when you when you reach out to someone which is the essence of, of my business. You know, my business is called the PAMI code, which is actually Greek for let's go together. It's a reminder that we, in, in this life, we don't have to go on our own. We can go through this together. And if you're struggling with something, there are people out there who can help you and support you in this journey. You don't have to suffer alone. And actually, if things are going well in your life as well, you don't have to celebrate on your own. It's actually quite sad to be, you know, to be drinking on your own and just, you know, <laughs> celebrating on your own. Um, you know, you can share it with with other people. Share your wins, yeah. share your joys, share share your challenges. And the journey and is having... supposed to be shared. You know, I I, I love yeah. that the journey is supposed to be shared. Talk to me more about the the pamek um, code. Is pamek code or is it Pame. a methodology? Or... Yeah, yeah. The the pamek code is it's actually something that I apply in in both my psychology practice and the self publishing um, need simple um, practice because. First of all, it's a it's a Greek word that that reminds us that in life we can go together. If you if you know Greeks and they keep saying pame pame, you know it's like come on, let's go, let's go, let's go together. You know it's it's just fun. So my husband is Greek, by the way. So that's where, <laughs> that's where I got it from. He always says pame. It's like yeah, okay. He he tells me that when he says hurry up, let's go, let's go, come on, come on, let's go, <laughs> let's go together, hurry. Yeah, let's go, hurry, hurry, come on. But yeah, pame, I use it as an acronym as you as as you as you may notice i love acronyms but pame i use that to to remind ourselves that in life we need to understand our purpose couple that with action maintain the momentum and be mindful of our energy so as you've noticed yeah in the self publishing made simple community we always start with the why understanding your why knowing your purpose because when you ground yourself in your purpose it helps you to first of all um, focus on your goals, understand why you are doing this, not just for yourself, but also the ripple effect of, you know, what you are doing in your life. Um, clarify your purpose, clarify your values, your goals, your aspirations, and then couple that with action, which is the the A uh, for PAME. Because if you're just thinking about things and just always, you know, oh, I'm dreaming, it's, it's nice. It's nice to dream. But if, you, if you're not actually translating that into action, that's all. Um, it, it's going to stay as a dream and not really um, convert into reality. So dream as much as you like, you know, solidify that in your head, be clear about your purpose, and then couple that with action so it gets translated into your reality maintain the momentum, keep it consistent because yeah, you might take one step and then say, ah, oh, this is so hard and then you stop. <laughs> 
you have to maintain the momentum, build the resilience, um, have that that consistency and the energy part, the air. You know, you need to have the support. You need to um you also need to watch your own energy, not to burn yourself out in the process. Be mindful of of how you are presenting yourself in the world and the energy that you're bringing out into the world. So yeah, essentially that that's what um PAMI stands for. I, I talk about that a lot in, in all of my books and even in terms of my own practice, the psychology practice or even the more applied ones like the self-publishing practice, yeah. I still um, use the principle of PAME. let's go together, but use the acronym to refer to purpose, action, momentum, and energy because it helps you to stay grounded and, and start with a really clear purpose translate that into action, keep the momentum, keep the consistency, but also being mindful of your energy so you don't get burned out in the process. I love that. And it also helps you keep the focus as well because you have like a path. I, I absolutely love that. I love that, love that. And you know, all the time that you've been talking, what keeps coming up for me is self-care. How does self-care sort of integrate with working to not feel like an imposter and to work towards, you know, putting into action what your what your purpose is and and maintaining that energy yeah absolutely yeah when it comes to self-care i have to say that this is still something that you you see i i am a psychologist i'm teaching i'm coaching and all that but it is certainly self-care is still something that i still need to improve on um being someone who who loves to achieve things and you know to to do things in my life and to serve as well um, sometimes I, I give too much and that I forget to 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 look after myself. So in that way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that that's where I I do reach out to others who can help me with that. You know, I have um, I'm, I'm going through a a self compassion um, course right now. You know, to help me to to be mindful of of how I look after myself because. I've uh yeah for 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 the the people that I work with my students particularly who are um in the self publishing made simple uh community so many of them are so heart centered so giving and so compassionate you know always eager and willing to serve and I suppose I'm attracting those kinds of students because I'm like that myself and I can see how much they give to the point that they they forget that they also have needs that they forget that um that they also need to look after themselves. So yeah, self-compassion, um, self-care is really important because when you empty your cup, what can you give, right? Exactly. You can't give what you don't have. And if you don't have anything in your cup to give, you're on fumes, number one, but you're also not serving in a capacity that the, the person can receive the best of you. And you want to be always the best version of yourself in life. And the only way to do that is to be the best you and to fill you up so that you can serve and so that you can walk the journey with other people and be supportive. So I'm learning that self-care is sort of foundational. I've, I've learned that over the years after burning out. <laughs> and yeah. so that's one thing I'm very um, focused on and intentional about because, you know, like you said, as a high achiever and you go, go, go. And even in this season for my life, I have to really be intentional to schedule in my calendar free time or self-care time and I have to make an appointment with myself and then not break that, you know, and it's sometimes it's hard. It can be challenging. 
Yeah, from what I'm learning from the self-compassion um, group that I'm uh, a part of right now, Julie, Julie, you're wonderful. <laughs> Just a little plug. I, I absolutely love Julie. Um, she, she's helping me with, with um, being kinder to myself. Um, it's just finding that time in your in your diary to to just meditate and, and just to have that that space and time for yourself. For me, being a, a business owner and and a mom, and now that I'm also homeschooling, there's a lot of things that that I'm juggling. And even if it is just five minutes, I I do my um, tapping. You know, I do a bit of tapping when I wake up in the morning, and then I have my um, my self-compassion, a uh, meditation um, at night, just five minutes. It doesn't take an awful lot of time, but the impact that that it has, you know, that 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 it helps me to to navigate my thoughts, to find my center, and to remind myself, you know, give myself a, a pat on the back that okay, you know, you've done well um during the day, and you know, just embrace the fact that you did help people today, that you were of service. Now it's your space and your time to 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 show gratitude and and to um to understand and, and show care to yourself. And yeah, it's it's only five minutes at the time, yeah. but it actually does make a, a big difference, you know, just to slow down and recognize that you also need that time and space for yourself as well. Yeah, and to recognize, like you said, to recognize that you are worthy of that time and space just as much as those other people that you're giving to. I think that's so important. And I love that you're implementing that and learning more because it is so important. And you already... I mean, the impact that you have is tremendous just from the short time that I've known you. So I just, I, I want you to keep going and <laughs> give the world the best of you. So definitely take care of yourself. Um, as we come up to our time, what are like one or two, three, one or two or three things that you really want the listeners to take away from the conversation that they can actually, you know, sort of implement in them for themselves? Implement. Sure. So if we go back to the imposter syndrome aspect, you know, implement TLC. Um, if you are, if you have all these inner critic messages in your in your mind, um, go through the TLC questioning sequence. Certainly, for my one-to-one -one clients, the feedback that I get is they say, just understanding that I can explore my thoughts is liberating because you're not stopping yourself from having these thoughts. You are human. It happens. And, you know, it's not that you're, you're having these thoughts now and not, you're not going to have them again in the future. It's like having a cold, you know, it, it comes and goes, but if you know how to remedy it, and if you give it a bit of TLC, ask the questions, is it true? Is it logical? Is it constructive? It makes it easier for you to, to manage and, and cope with these thoughts, even if you experience them now or if you experience them years later, at least you have the tools and the, and the strategies to help you explore and, and reframe these thoughts if, if it's not serving you well. So that's the first um, takeaway that I, I'd like you to implement um, in your life right now. The second one is Pame. You know, just remember that we can go together in this life. You don't have to be on your own. You don't have to. Um, you don't have to suffer in silence. Uh, you can. You can take a, a mentor, a friend, a buddy, or your community. If you are part of, of a community, you can go together. And in respect to PAME as an acronym, whatever you want to pursue in your life, always remember to ground yourself in your purpose, couple it, couple it with action, keep the momentum consistent, you know, take consistent action and watch your energy as well. Be mindful of your energy so you, so you don't get burned out in the process. 
I absolutely love that. You have brought so much value in such a short time. I just, I love it. I'm so grateful you were able to come on. If people want to work with you more, find your books, find where you are, connect with you, where can they do that? Well, the best way to find me is through Facebook. So if you just go on, uh, I think my, my business page is Dr. Evie Estacio. Um, you, you can find me on Facebook or actually if you Google, <laughs> if you Google Emmy Estacio, I think I'm the only Emmy Estacio in the world. <laughs> As a psychologist, at least, you know, all of my... Um, You're an pages, original. My, yeah, my videos. I have my parents to thank for that, <laughs> for for my name. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll find all of my books on Amazon, on print, Kindle, and audiobook versions. And if you are interested in writing and self publishing a book yourself, you can find me in the free Facebook community, Self Publishing Made Simple. Um, I'm there, and I go live every Tuesday. And you can literally ask me anything if you if you want to pursue your own um self publishing path as well. She gives tremendous value, listeners. I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes so you can click and go, click and go. But I really, really encourage you to connect with Emmy. And even if you go to, even if you're like not even thinking about writing a book, but you just maybe have a little seed of it, I encourage you to sign up for the free Facebook book, Facebook group. I'm in there and there is so much value that she gives out for free. And then if you wanna work with her, please, I know that you will be so blessed and so encouraged by all the value that she can continue to give to your life. And if not, just listen to this episode again, because I know that you will get incredible value. And I'm just so grateful, Emmy, for all that you shared. I think I'm gonna listen again because there, there were some wisdom bombs in there that you dropped that I'm like, I need to, I need to go back and listen to that again. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I, I really do appreciate this opportunity. And I do enjoy um, sharing what I know, as I've said, uh, you know, at the start of our conversation for me as, a, as, a, as an academic, a former academic now, now that I've left academia, I felt that I was just so restricted with, with what I can offer within the confines, you know, the four walls of, of the classroom. But now with social media, with podcasts, you know, with, with um, self-publishing on Amazon, you can literally reach out to millions of people and you don't know um, how it will ripple. You know, it's just, exactly. it's, it's wonderful. And I'm, and, and I'm grateful for this opportunity that we also had this conversation as well. Me as well. I'm so glad that I met you and I'm, I'm just, I really believe that there's certain people in life that we're supposed to meet and that we're supposed to impact. And I love that there's social media now because you're global. You're, you're mm. across the water or across the pond, they say. Yes. <laughs> like we never would have met if it were not for social media. So I'm so grateful and I'm so glad you were able to come on. And listeners, I know that you've got tremendous value. So we are at our time, but as I always say, keep walking, always keep walking. Cause if you continue to walk, you will reach your destiny and your destination. And on the journey, always, always choose gratitude. 